let's uh, just thank you for being here this morning. Lord bless. And uh, let's have a word of prayer as we begin this morning. Father, we come again uh, with thanksgiving. Lord, you are an awesome God. And it's so awesome to know that we can rest in you in the midst of all the craziness that's going on around us. And so we ask, Lord, that you'd help us set those things aside for the moment. And and really, uh, through the singing, through prayer, through opening your word together, through sharing communion together, that we would uh, just really commit this time to you, to draw close to you and close together as a family of God. And we just, we love you and we worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. Can everyone please stand with us as we worship this morning? We have a new song for you. I hope you really like it. You have called us out of darkest night into your glorious life that we may sing the wonders of the risen Christ. May our every breath retell the grace that broke into our strife. With boundless love and deepest joy, with endless life. May the peoples praise you, let the nations be glad. All your blessings come that we may praise, may praise the name of Jesus. All the earth is yours and all within. Each harvest is your own. And from your hand we give to you to make Christ known. May the seeds of mercy grow in us for those who have not heard. May songs of praise build lives of grace to spread your word. May the peoples praise you, let the nations be glad. All your blessing comes that we may praise, may praise the name of Jesus. This our holy privilege to declare your praises and your name. To every nation, tribe, and tongue, your church proclaim. May the peoples praise you, let the nations be glad. All your blessing comes that we may praise. May praise the name of Jesus. Holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. Worthy, worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. All creation, praise your glorious name. 
all your blessing comes that we may praise, may praise the name of Jesus. Only a, a couple of announcements. Uh, just a reminder that our uh, community group is back uh, meeting again. We're meeting at six o'clock on Tuesday nights and that we meet here and we are still practicing the social distance and the masks, but, uh, we're keep, you know, we, we can use the back room and have enough room to, to keep that in order. So just, uh, let you know that that's what we're doing there. And then on uh, Thursday at 10 a.m., uh, the women of the word are meeting again, same thing. We're meeting in the, in the fellowship room, uh, until further notice. And uh, again, the same rules apply, um, for prayer. Uh, Kay wanted to let you know that she is feeling much, much better. Um, but she's still going to be over there in Reading, uh, for her rehab and, and therapy, uh, from her back surgery for, uh, probably, the middle of November, she says, I should be home before Thanksgiving. So, uh, you know, she says, pray that I'm home before Thanksgiving. So I said we would. And uh, Diane is at home uh, recovering, and she's uh, just asked for prayers. They're still having some difficulties finding out, uh, how you know, her how to keep her balance and stuff like that. So uh, that's still an issue for her. And then Jackie uh, ask for prayer. She's having difficulty in swallowing and they're going to have to do one of those barium swallowing tests, uh, in order to determine, you know, if there's any difficulties that way. So she asked that we would pray for her and then certainly continue to pray for all the, the firefighters. And, and, uh, I just, I keep hearing these guys. I, I am just amazed at how those Men and women keep getting up and going at it and, and just hardly any break at all. So, uh, just keeping them in prayer and, uh, and the same thing with the, the COVID-19, keeping that in prayer is especially praying for those who have suffered, uh, loss, uh, in their families. And, uh, then, uh, the hurricanes and flooding that's going on in the Gulf and up into the East Coast, it's, it's, it just seems one after another after another right now. And, uh, I'd heard that one spot in, uh, near the panhandle of Florida wasn't it right at it, but in that vicinity, they had 36 inches of rain. You know, and, uh, the reason why was that that particular hurricane was moving like two miles an hour. That's slower than most of us walk. And I said, most of us, I, I can't walk quite that fast. That's a run for me. But, uh, anyway, the, uh, uh, and so it just hovers and just brings in all this rain. So keep praying for all of those people. That's been horrendous for them. And again, the loss of property and loss of life. It's been substantial there. Any other prayer needs? Let's pray for these things. Father, we come 
rejoicing first, Lord, that the God of all creation cares about our daily needs. And that with the confidence, you tell us that we, that we can come to you with a confidence for your mercy and your grace. And we do. We, we plead your mercy and your grace over these prayer needs that we've mentioned. We think especially this morning of Kay. Uh, she's feeling much, much better, but that they would continue as they minister, especially the infection that she had, uh, that they could, that they ultimately get all of that infection out of the back uh, wound from her back surgery and, uh, that you just strengthen her and bring healing there, Lord. For Jackie, uh, that this test would, uh, reveal if there's something that needs to be taken care of, but we would just ask that you would intervene and just bring normal swallowing back to her. And for Diane, Lord, that you uh, would just bring balance for her as she walks and strengthen her legs, Lord. And through the fires and the the COVID and the hurricanes and the flooding, Lord, we think of the people that have suffered loss of life in their families. We ask that you would come, uh, come to them and comfort them as only you can. Through your Holy Spirit, minister to them. Bring Christian people across their paths that will lift them up and, 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 and give them hope, Lord. And restoring the, the, the things that they have lost, Lord, uh, we just ask, Lord, that you would be with them as they, they regroup and so many of them are going to ha- are, are having to deal with housing issues. We just ask, Lord, that you would open doors for the, all of that to happen. And resources, Lord, that you would open up resources uh, so that they, they would have uh, their needs met financially as, and for food and all the things that they need, Lord. And again, I, I thank you for Christian groups like Samaritan First and others that are there ministering, some of them right in the midst of some of the, mo- the difficult areas, uh, taking risks themselves in order to minister. We ask that you would be with them, protecting them. Provide through them. So we ask, Lord, that you would provide for them as well. And again, Father, thank you you for the opportunity to be here this morning together. We ask again that you would be with us. Help us to set aside the distractions and focus on you. In Jesus' name, amen. Again, you're welcome to stand with us if you want. I sing the mighty power of God that made the mountains rise, that spread the flowing seas abroad and built the lofty skies. I sing the wisdom that ordained the sun to rule the day. The moon shines full at his command, and all the stars obey. I sing the goodness of the Lord that filled the earth with food. He formed the creatures with his word, and then pronounced them good. Lord, how thy wonders are displayed wherever I turn my eye. If I survey the ground, I 
tread or gaze upon the sky. There's not a plant or flower below, but makes thy glories known. And clouds arise and tempests blow, I order from thy throne. While all that borrows lie from thee, is ever in thy care. And everywhere that we can be, Thou, God, art present there. Water you turn into wine, open the eyes of the blind, there's no one like you, none like you, into the darkness you shine, out of the ashes we rise, there's no one like you, none like you. Our God is greater, our God is stronger, God you are higher than any other, our God is healer, awesome in power, our God, our God. Into the darkness you shine, out of the ashes we rise, there's no one like you. None like you. Our God is greater. Our God is stronger. God, you are higher than any other. Our God is healer. Awesome in power. Our God. Our God. And if our God is for us, then who could ever stop us? And if our God is with us, then what could stand against? And if our God is for us, then who could ever stop us? And if our God is with us, then what could stand against? And if our God is for us, then who could ever stop us? And if our God is with us, then what could stand against? And if our God is for us, then who could ever stop us? And if our God is with us, then what could stand against? Our God is greater, our God is stronger, God, you are higher than any other. Our God is healer, awesome in power, our God, our God. When I fear my faith will fail, Christ will hold me fast. 
When the tempter would prevail, he will hold me fast. I could never keep my hope through life's fearful path. For my love is often cold, he must hold me fast. He will hold me fast, He will hold me fast, for my Savior loves me so, He will hold me fast. Those He saves are His delight, Christ will hold me fast. Precious in his holy sight, he will hold me fast. He'll not let my soul be lost, his promises shall last. But by him at such a cost, he will hold me fast. He will hold me fast. He will hold me fast, for my Savior loves me so. He will hold me fast. For my life He bled and died, Christ will hold me fast. Justice has been satisfied. He will hold me fast. Raise with him to endless life. He will hold me fast. Till our faith is turned to sight. When he comes at last. He will hold me fast. He will hold me fast. For my Savior loves me so, He will hold me We are socially distanced. If you feel that you need to remove your mask to the side or something, you certainly may. But when we sing again, you need to put them back on because at that point we're really projecting. So uh, just uh, thank you for being going along with all of this difficulty. We've been doing a series on worship. So far we've done two. Uh, sessions of today doing a third, uh, just getting ideas about why we worship and who we worship, this type of thing. And, and, uh, this, the, the scripture we'll be going through today will be, uh, Psalm 139. Um, get there in a moment, just a quick review on our first, uh, time of going, uh, starting with the worship uh, series. It was John chapter 4, verses 23 and 24, where Jesus talking to the Samaritan woman 
says that that there's the time is coming and now is and uh, the idea of worshiping God in spirit and in truth the idea of worshiping in spirit is to worship with all our heart with all our soul with all our mind you notice how that parallels with the great commandment and uh, we're to love the Lord our God with all our heart soul and mind and then the idea of, of worshiping in spirit and in truth the scripture is absolutely clear on this. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And at one point, Jesus says, I am truth. And then he says, my word is truth. And so we come and we worship through Jesus, meaning we worship in our personal relationship with, with Jesus. If we don't have Jesus as our Savior, we're not able to really worship God. It, 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 it requires a personal relationship through Christ. And so we have this relationship in Jesus Christ. We confess with our mouth, believe in our heart that Jesus is the Christ. God raised him from the dead. That he's purchased our salvation through the cross. I, I love the scripture that tells us they nailed our sins to the, to the cross. And so we come through Jesus using his word as our guide. And that's important to always, you know, you'll hear this several times before this is over, but his word is our guide. This is where we get the, 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 the concepts of our worship and, and, and how we worship when we're, you know, when we worship all of those types of things. We get it from his word. It's not an emotion. It's not a feeling. First, it's a, it's a relationship. It's a, something that we actually do. It's an activity. And, and does it affect our emotions? Does it affect us in that context? I would certainly hope so. But the reality is, is that it's something that we do. And if we do it just out of rope, that's not what we, what God wants either. So it's a combination of coming together with our feelings and our emotions and doing this uh, in a sense of, of, of knowing that God is the creator of all things and that we worship. Think of the songs that we just sang. Uh, and so we, we use the word of God as our guide. And then Jesus tells us that he would give us the comforter after he left. The comforter, the Holy Spirit would be our guide, our teacher. And so as we come through the word, the Holy Spirit is our instructor, and and we we worship uh, uh, in 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 together and individually, and we find and we've mentioned this a few couple of times already. Worship is not an event; it's a lifestyle. It's a part of what we are. We're to do all things unto the Lord in the name of Jesus Christ. All things. That's an act of worship. So. Uh, it's hard to think in terms of, of thinking that our work somehow could be a sense of worship, uh, especially if we're working in a secular job of some kind. But the reality is, is that Jesus says, do that work as unto the Lord and, and not as a man pleaser, but do it to please God. Well, again, that turns it into an act of worship. Uh, last week we, we used Psalm 95 and, uh, it, within that psalm, there's a, a, a couple of points, uh, uh, verse 1 and verse 6, both, where we have God's invitation to us to worship. He says, oh, come. And and verse 6 is explicit. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. And somebody say, well, at church, we don't worship uh, in the sense of bowing down on the floor. or uh, Let us kneel before the Lord, our God, our maker. We don't kneel. Uh, first off, if, if God was leading you to want to do that, uh, nobody would uh, 
object to you doing that. Nobody would turn away and say, oh, aren't you? you, you that, we, don't do that here. Uh, but the other side of it is uh, it's really the picture of being humble before God, recognizing, as we sang again this morning, he is above all things. He is the God over everything, and we come to him to worship him. It's submission is the context. And there may be times where, where you are even in private worship where you will find the need to be on your knees or, or, or even bowing down, if you will. Uh, those are all part of that. Today, like I said, Psalm 139, we're looking at the attributes of God. We are to worship the things that make God, God. In other words, to, to be thankful for and to recognize these things. And, and, uh, so I'm, Coming from, like I said, Psalm 139, uh, there's several psalms that we could look at that are worship songs. Uh, in fact, all of psalms were intended to be sung uh, in some way or another, and the majority of them were used in, in worship. And a number of them we still use as, in our worship songs. Uh, and so uh, you'll recognize some of those things as we go through this. So I'm going to read through Psalm 139, and while I'm doing that, uh, see if you can pick out some different attributes of God. Attributes being characters, traits, or or what makes him God, okay? So Psalm 139, and it's uh, a psalm written by David. In verse 1, it says, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with my with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O oh Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, and I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light about me uh, be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance in your book. Uh, were written every one of them the days that were formed for me when yet there was none of them how precious to me are your thoughts O god how vast is the sum of them if i would count them they are more than the sand i awake and i am still with you now a lot of times people that are preaching this one would drop down to verse 23 and skip these verses but we're going to fight with them this morning oh that you would slay the wicked oh god oh men of blood depart from me they speak against you with malicious intent your enemies take your 
name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do not I loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with complete hatred. I count them my enemies. And then verse 23, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous, grievous or it could be also wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. There's four prominent attributes mentioned here. Uh, and, and it's interesting that we, we, we have four stanzas, if you will, four paragraphs here, each one representing one of those pictures. Uh, what did, if anybody want to be bold and mention something that they noticed that this psalm uh, says about God? You have to infer it, and it didn't necessarily say it directly. Okay, he's all-knowing. So what's the, 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 the theological term? He's omniscient. I, 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 you know, you know, give, give you that one is all-knowing. He's omniscient. Uh, anything else? Always present. Okay, omnipresent. Uh, anything else? Loving, searching us out. He's our savior. You know, he's, he's, he has saved us. Uh, he's, he's there. It's, he's hedged us in from, from front to back. In other words, that means he's put a head. Another song says he put a hedge around us to protect us. Uh, another one says that there's a, a band of angels around us to protect us. So the, the, the body of Christ and, and, and the believers. Um, Created us, so creator. These are our defense, okay. Uh, he is the one that uh, uh, comes alongside and rescues us from the things of this world. Number of things that we see in that. And so uh, as we look at this, uh, there's, a, there's a couple of more that uh, uh, in there, uh, it's... When we look at the verses uh, 19 through 22, especially, those are harsh words in the sense of, of how we see them normally. And, and it says, oh, that you would slay the wicked, oh, God. And it goes on from there. But what it tells us is that God is the absolute authority on all things. We'll get into we'll look at this in detail. He's omnipotent. OK. And then there's one that's not frequently referred to and, and, and a little harder to, to define. Omnificent. I don't know how many of you have dealt with that word, uh, but omnificent, a lot of times they leave that one out. But it means that he has, and it has to do with what, what Grant said in the sense of creator. It says that he has absolute authority and creative power. He is the only one that has that creative power and so uh, unlimited absolute creative power so as we go through this i want you to understand david was using poetic pictures to help us understand god's attributes and we'll so we'll look at that a little closer so let's go starting with verses one through six uh, again, it says, you know, it says, Oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. 
This idea of searched here actually means to dig out, literally to dig out. But it's not just on the surface. The idea is to dig deeply. And and so as I was doing a, a work study, it was it it it's it there was a, a really interesting picture of the idea of a lawyer with all of the evidence before him pouring over every piece of it and and, and to ensure that, that 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 the desired verdict would be would come out. So what God is doing is digging in and, and finding all of our personal traits. And going over them so that they create the person that he wants us to be. He's intimately involved in us. And this is, it's not just the b- believer, it's, it's the, the, all of creation responds to him because of this. Even when they don't know it, I, I find that amusing. Uh, and I always come back to this one picture. It, it just overwhelms me every time I think about it. Of course, I normally use it when we're approaching Christmas, but the idea of, of Caesar. What did Caesar, did, you know, we know that Caesar had no love of the Christians. No love of, of, of the Christian God. And yet he participated in the birth of Christ. In a dramatic and important way. Out of his greed and desire to know what his future tax base would be, not just his current taxes, but how many people he would have that he would be taxing in the future. He wanted everybody in his kingdoms, in, in his, in, in, in his provinces to do what? Register for the taxes. For a Hebrew person, that meant going back to the home of your ancestry. Joseph and Mary had to go to where? Bethlehem. Where did Joseph and Mary live? Nazareth. A couple of days journey at least. And, uh, and if, if they had a, an animal, several days journey if they were walking. And they, uh, the neat, the neat picture is, is that here Mary is pregnant. You see God's timing coming into this. Immaculate conception. They're going just as she, before she is ready to have the have the baby. They have to go from Nazareth. Why would they even leave Nazareth? That's where they, they that was where they lived, where they, where Joseph had his income source. All this they had to go to Bethlehem. You know why they had to go to Bethlehem? Why it had to happen in Bethlehem? Because Jesus, God said so back in the Old Testament. There's a scripture that says that he would be born in Bethlehem. And see how God used Caesar? He knew in the depths of Caesar's heart all the things. I'm just saying, God puts it all together in such a way that his purpose is accomplished, period. Nothing is going to thwart him. That's why Jesus says the gates of hell can't stand against his church. Protection as well. So we have this picture of of God who's, who's digging deep into our very person. And, 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 you know, looking to, you know, uh, this detailed knowledge of us, uh, you know, he knows the number of hairs on our head. I, 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 I put it this way. The first thing I put was he knows the number of hairs on my head 
and and somebody's going to always say something unkind, like it's easier to count some than others. Uh, but but uh, you know the hairs on my head, or the hairs on your head, or actually it's the hairs on all heads. Again, uh, globally, of all the people, God knows there. And I put in parentheses here, and He doesn't have to count. Now, does anybody know on uh, on average? How many hairs are on the average scalp? Approximately 100,000. You notice what I said. Approximately. What they do is they take a little amount of, of, of skin and, and the amount of hairs in that one thing, multiply that times the overall space of, of those, the, how many of those little spaces there are, and they come up with an approximate. Nobody can sit there, even physically, and count the hairs and do it successfully. It's, it's so they say approximately. God's number is not, oh, he says, oh, that's around 100,000. No, it's 102,346. Oh, and there's one just getting started right there, you know. Uh, he knows exactly. Like I said, he doesn't have to count. Now, in, in verse 2 of, of Psalm 139, it says, You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. This idea of knowing when I sit down and when I rise up is, is an intentional contrast used in poetry. When I sit down, when I rise up, and it, in, it implies and everything in between. And you even know when, and again, that picture of uh, my thoughts. You discern my thoughts from afar, meaning he doesn't have to, you know, he, 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 he knows our thoughts. That should intimidate every one of us. It, it should cause us to, to think about what's going on in our, in our, in our brain. And, and you search out my path and my lying down. So even when we're asleep, when we're sitting, when we're up, he's, constantly with us and aware of, 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 you know, who we are, what we are, and what we're doing, and what we're thinking, and obviously what we're saying. And he says, and are acquainted with all our ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, David says, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. That means that God knows our heart. Because we're told that what the heart is is the the source of what comes out of our mouth, and so he knows the very depth of our heart he has dug into us you hem me in behind and before uh you know that 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 picture of protecting us, and then he says in verse six, such knowledge is too wonderful for me." It's high. I cannot attain it. In other words, it's beyond my comprehension. Why? Well, it's because I can't, I, I, I can't think in those terms. What we're talking about is infinite, fi- you know, versus finite. God is infinitely, uh, knowing. I mean, He knows everything. You know, we're sitting here, we have to learn. He, He's the one that instructs. All knowledge comes from Him. You know, it's, uh, uh, any, anything that within the framework of the universe that, that has a fixed thing, we'll say the laws of physics 
or, or the, the, the rules of mathematics, okay, are because that is God's gift to us. It's his, his mind at work in us. He, you know, it's, it's just amazing. He's, he's before us in all things. Too wonderful for me. I cannot attain it. And then he, and so we see again, he, he is omnipresent or, uh, he is omniscient. He knows all things. There isn't anything that he doesn't know. We're never going to surprise him with something new. <laughs> yeah. It's, 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 he's the source of understanding and knowledge. And then he, then we go to this idea of, of he is omnipresent. Listen, where shall I go from your spirit or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you're there. In other words, no matter how high I go, no matter how low I go, you're there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, the wings of the morning is the sunrise. It's a poetic picture of the sun rising, the wings of the morning. Or I go to the depths of the sea. Think about the proximity of, of where this Palestine is. Which way is the sea? It's to the west. And, and it's, and it's, and so it goes all the way to the, to the, to the, to the west. So as far as the east, is from the west. He does something with our sins in reference to that too. And it says he cast it into the deepest part of the sea. And, and so when you have this idea of, of, uh, of east and, 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 and west, um, it's actually considered the idea of, of, of a level plane. If you were doing geometry and you had a plane going from east to west, two directions this way you know and obviously north and south how far would it go well it's infinite it's in other words it's not it's not something that that curves or anything and the idea of east to west is a straight line it has no end so that there's no 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 getting it back so when he casts out the, the 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 sin from as far as the east is from the west it's unretrievable it will never ever be used against you Ever. Again, uh, you, you know, we have that, that picture of contrast, uh, east to, to west. Uh, even, uh, and it says, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. Even in this, this picture of infinite distances, you're with me. You're right there with me. You're, and, and it says, your right hand shall hold me. That's the position of strength. His strength will come alongside us and hold us. And then he says, if I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. Why? Because there's no hint of darkness in God. It's beyond my comprehension because everything, you know, in this room, no matter how we arrange the lighting, there's shadows. There's no hint of a shadow in God. Isn't that amazing? So wherever he is, he sees, yeah, he, it's light. 
So even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day. For darkness is as light with you. Again, that contrast. For you formed my inward parts. Now, this, this, this picture is extremely important. You formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. Uh, you formed my inward parts. You, you knitted me together. This idea of knitted is, is the idea of artistic needlework. It's parallel to the same word that was used when they were doing the tapestries for the tabernacle and having to be precise. You know, God gave them absolute instructions on how to stitch it together, what to use in the way of materials, all of these things. And and also the high priest garments were knitted, if you will, stitched together this way. And so this idea is that he formed us with intricacy, with great detail. Huh? Not a block. <laughs> he made, it says in, in, in verse uh, uh, 14, he says, I praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. And the word made here is to be set apart with a purpose. Literally. Okay, so he he formed us and and knitted us together in where? My mother's womb. So this is before we're ever born. And, and, and it says, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I, I had a purpose from, from the time in my mother's womb when I was, when you began to knit me together. And by the way, the concept of this is very clear. The knitting together, well, let's answer it. It says, my frame was not hidden from you. Frame is the muscles and bones. They're not hidden from you when I was being made in secret. Intricately woven in the depths of the earth, meaning out of the sight of men. Where are we? In the womb. Okay. Intricately woven here is termed with the idea of embroidery. I don't know how many of you embroider. Normally the people say, ladies, how many of you embroider? But I actually know some men that know embroidery and some of them have done some wonderful Things that are like, they look like a picture from a distance, you know. Uh, you get up close and you see such fine, detailed, uh, stitchery, you know, that goes on. And so the idea is, is, is stitch by stitch. Embroidery can't be done any other way. It's stitch by stitch. Okay. Now somebody says, oh wait, they've got those sewing machines now that they do all that. They didn't have it then. Okay. Stitch by stitch. Uh, each adding something to the, to the picture. This idea of knitted and then intricately woven, put it together as every part tied together just right. According to God's purpose for this individual person. I love this because the idea is that you almost always when you have start to have people debate this thing about creation and, and the womb and, and abortion and these types of issues, they'll say, well, what about the, the handicapped person? God has a purpose for that person. If you don't believe me, talk to Bob Frawley and ask him about his son, Matt. 
It's an amazing life story. And Bob is still learning. And the interesting thing is, is that Matt's purpose has been so that they could witness and testify to people all over California and in hospitals because of what God has done in Matt. The interesting story with Matt, so that you know this much, within the framework of his handicaps, they're not really handicaps. They're just differences. And Matt was told, well, first off, they, they told him he wouldn't live but a few hours when he was born. Then they said a few days. Then they said a few weeks. They said, won't make it past two, three, four. Forty years later, Matt is outside the envelope. He's one of the few. They don't have, you know, they don't have books about how to help Matt and stuff like that because there's not enough of those people around that have made it that far with his particular needs. And you know what? Matt is a worshiper. If you know Matt, when he, and the reason why he's not been coming to church is most recently it has to do with the COVID. He has no immune system. And so Bob is protecting him extremely and protecting himself as well because he doesn't either anymore. And, uh, and, and, but Matt would be up here wanting to be in the front row and sing. Okay. And when we put up a, a song, he just, he sings and, and, and he sings loud. And, and, uh, uh, I remember, uh, very early on in our relationship, Bob asked me, he says, does it, he says, does it bother you? And I said, no, I absolutely enjoy it. And he says, well, if you hear it bother other people, tell me. And I said, I won't. And, uh, you know, uh, in, in this singing, it, it's amazing. You're, you're, when he sings, it's just amazing. And, and I enjoy it so much. With Matt, the other part of it was that he can't read, but the only time he is articulate is when he is worshiping. And some of the words come out clearly. And even when we would play a new song, somehow he knew the words. It was just amazing. Every part is put together absolutely right for what God has purposed. Each part. Each part needing each other for support. So that includes the organs of our body. One, one supporting the other. Somebody has pointed out that, uh, that the human body is, 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 when you look at the context of the idea of evolution from amoebas to human body, there's certain things that would have to simultaneously all come together at the same time exactly in order to function because the, either that or the heart wouldn't beat or the lungs wouldn't take air or, or the, 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 uh, excretion, uh, deal with kidneys and, and bladders and all that stuff wouldn't work. Uh, and you would be toxic poisoned, you know, there's all these things. And one person put it this way. He says, let me simplify that. He says, you know about the bombardier beetle? He said, that, he says there's, there, it has two gases in it. And when it, it has two chambers in, in, within the body of the beetle. And when it goes to defend itself, it turns around and lifts up its tail. It puts out a little burst of flame. 
there's no way that that can evolve without exploding the beetle. They've tried all the different, they've gone through all the different scientific ways. I, I love the creation science. So, uh, but anyway, the idea is that God is the creator here. He's, he's made us, he's made us in the womb. And then I, I, I think of, of, of verse 16, it is, it's, it's extremely important. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them referring to the days that were formed for me. Ephesians chapter 1 verses 3 through 6 talks about the fact that before the foundation of the world, the things that God would have us be doing were already in place. God had created a a worship symphony if you will, before we, before creation began and every part of it plays into worshiping him and coming together just right. Each part doing this is the thing that God created it to do. This idea of unformed substance is, is literally something rolled up, you know, undeveloped. Okay. He's speaking about the embryo. And I'm thinking as I go through this, God knows the end from the beginning. Isaiah chapter 46. God knows the end from the beginning. He knows all things. And every thing that was going on in that womb was something that God was orchestrating. To me, that's the the strongest argument against abortion there is. Is that God orchestrates this. Now somebody's going to come along and say, yeah, but if God's in charge and he allows the abortion, don't, we'll get to that in, in just a second. In a different, different part of this. I look at the, the, this idea of God knowing the end from the beginning, you know, Isaiah 46.10 tells us that. And then I, I wrote down here, biblical prophecy. You know, you know, 500, 600, a thousand years before Jesus was born, over 300 prophecies written, the majority of which have come true through his birth. There's still a few to come true yet, like his second coming. But the fact that every one of those things, including where he would be born, Bethlehem, uh, were fulfilled so literally that it gives us the confidence to know that the rest of them will be fulfilled just as literal. Now, like I said, uh, verse 17 and 18, he says, Precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I could count them, they are more than the sand. I awake and I'm still with you. Meaning I'm amazed. David is basically saying, knowing all that you are, knowing all that you do and everything that's going on, and I awake every morning and I'm amazed all over again. There's an instruction here for us. <laughs> to We need to wake up amazed. Not just that God has given us another breath, although that's amazing in itself, because we don't deserve it. But through his grace, he does that. But he has, he has brought us to another day to see what he is do, going to do. We should be looking to the day, uh, anticipating. That God's going to reveal himself in some particular way. 
Now, like I said, verses 19 through 22, most of the time you get into some, when they're preaching that they skip this because it's extremely awkward to deal with. And this section is called an imprecatory prayer. That's a, a word that, theological word that you get to use, imprecatory prayer. I don't know I sound important now. Um, it's a prayer for God's judgment to fall. And the Psalms have a number of them. And the question is, what about, you know, praying for our enemy, love our enemy, and this type of thing? Where does that fit into this? And all I can say is, is that within the framework of this, God is, is over this. We are to come alongside and, and, and look for the opportunity to witness to our enemies, to love our enemies. But it, the bottom line is, is that every time and, 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 uh, uh, Ravi Zacharias has the best argument on this. So just share that with you. <laughs> He's a, a fan. And, 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 uh, that the picture is that it is in the New Testament. You know, people say we can't find this this judgment thing. You know, it's very clearly in the New Testament. I give you an example. Uh, Galatians chapter one says that the, those who don't that that look at another gospel or accept a different gospel than what Peter and and Paul and and all delivered to the, the apostles delivered to the to the Galatians. He said, if they bring you another gospel, let them be anathema, cursed. Condemn. First Corinthians sixteen twenty two. Just by the words Maranatha by itself, come soon, Lord Jesus. You are asking for the judgment to come. And what is the judgment involved? Go to Matthew twenty five. The separation of the sheep and the goats, and the the, the goats are are those that have uh, that have not followed after Christ. They're and they're they're condemned. To hell. There is something that we need to know as a people, and that is that there is a real, and this is where I put the the, the idea of of of, of uh, God being omnipotent. He is in charge. He is the judge. By the way, he is the only one that judges. And as and, and it's interesting because as David's going through this and he's looking at it and he's saying, you know, oh, you know, do the, do them in. It's, you know, any, any time now, God, you know, why, you know, let's do it. And you notice he doesn't say, let me do it. He says, you do it, Lord, because he knows. But he says, I hate them with complete hatred. This hatred is a righteous context. He doesn't, he, he's not allowed to, nor are we to hate them with, with enmity. But hate them in the sense of what they say about our God. And that's what he says, you know, in, in here. Uh, the, they're, they're, they're reflecting is, 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 uh, the men of blood that, uh, uh, depart from me. They speak against you with malicious intent. Your enemies take your name in vain. Uh, and, and literally, uh, it means to here it means lack your to lack your name. In other words, they're not coming to to, to him in God's way. Um, some of the scholars that reflect on this refer this to actually dealing with the Pharisees 
and we see what Jesus said about them. So uh, it's a possible application. But it's interesting, as soon as David completes writing this thing about judgment, he turns around and it's like he has reflected on himself in the process. And these last words, search me, oh God. And know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And I already said that God knows all of these things. What he's saying is, God, come and, and dig even deeper if you need to. Know my heart. And it, see if there be any grievous way or wicked way in me. And the grievous is a better word here than wicked, really, because grievous is something that, 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 that grieves the heart of God. And lead me in the way everlasting. Lead me in the way of your kingdom. So implied here is, you know, David's thinking, oh, oh, what about my sin? I know that I'm not perfect. So search me, oh God. Know my heart. And immediately that thought takes you to Psalm 51. Created me a clean heart, O oh God. Renew a right spirit within me. So, I look at these and, and I think of, of, of these being perfect words to enter communion. Search me, O oh God. And what scripture says is that we are to examine ourselves. But we need the Holy Spirit to even do that. So search me, O oh God, through your Holy Spirit. Self-examination. Bring to mind those things that I need to know that are grievous to you, Lord, in my life. Some of them might be things that you didn't even realize you'd done until you do this. And the Holy Spirit now has the opportunity to let you know. And you bring them before the Lord and you say, what? Forgive me, O oh God. And it says in Scripture that he is faithful and just and forgiving. He will forgive us. And so uh, let's prepare our hearts for communion. Uh, join me in prayer and then we'll have a song. Father, we come and ask, Lord, that uh, you would indeed create in us a clean heart, O oh God. Renew a right spirit within me. Restore the joy of your salvation that I might be in that position of saying uh, as as I wake up in the morning uh, how awesome it is to know that I'm, I'm awake and I'm still with you Lord thank you and for your grace and for your mercy thank you that as we see the the reality of judgment, we know that our judgment has been taken by Jesus Christ, nailed to the cross. We can rest again with insurance. I say it over and over because it's your word. Romans 8.1, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And we rejoice in that truth, but we also realize, Lord, that this is a work in progress. And it's not perfected. I know that your word says that you will complete what you have started. But we know that ends with the, with the, that, that ties into the second coming and, and entering into the kingdom of God in eternal, in eternity. Uh, the reality is, is that 
We are less than what we need to be right now. And so whatever the next step we need to take to be right with you, Lord, and to grow in our relationship with you, Lord, we ask that you would would strengthen us and take us there. And again, we commit this time to you to focus on you, the love, the mercy, the grace you showed through the cross and secured through the, the physical bodily resurrection. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Before you I kneel, my master and baker, to offer the work of my hands. For this is the day you've given your servant. I will rejoice and be glad for the strength I have to live and breathe. For each skill your grace has given me. For the needs and opportunities that will glorify your great name. Before you I kneel and ask for your goodness to cover the work of my hands. For patience and peace to shape all my labor, your grace for thorns in my path, flow within me like a living stream, where away the stones of pride and greed. Tell your ways are dwelling deep in me, and a harvest of life is grown. Before you we kneel, our master and maker, establish the work of our hands, and order our steps to seek first your kingdom in every small and great task. May we live the gospel of your grace, serve your purpose in our fleeting days. And our lives will bring eternal praise and all glory to your great name. And all glory to your great name. This song so fits with the scriptures we've been sharing. I like the last verse. Before you kneel, our master and our maker, uh, before you we kneel, establish the work of our hands 
and order our steps to seek first your kingdom in every small and great task. May we live the gospel of your grace, serve your purpose in our fleeting days. Then our lives will bring eternal praise and all glory to your great name. And and that's exactly what we've been preaching this morning. So uh, how appropriate. And so as we approach communion, this idea of, of submitting ourselves, kneeling to God, saying you are sovereign in all things. Uh, rule over us in every way, Lord. Mark the steps ahead of us through your spirit that we would be walking with you. And uh, we we do that in sharing communion because of what Christ has done for us. All of this that we've talked about is only possible because of what Christ has done for us. Uh, if you haven't opened up your communion packet yet, the the if you pull the tab down, and, and and then lift up, it exposes the thin layer of, of, of clear, and that peels back and exposes the wafer. And then you push it down and pull back, and that will open the cup. Uh, so uh, as we share together the reality for Jesus to accomplish all of this and to make it come to fruition, he had to fulfill all the scriptures, and that included the cross. Uh, I think of Psalm 22 as the most powerful picture of Jesus on the cross. My, my, it starts with the very words, my God, my God, why has you forsaken me? And it's the, again, that Jesus fulfilled all of the prophecy. Read that psalm. It's a powerful psalm in the prophecy of the cross. And in order to do that, it required that he come in the flesh. God, the son, equal with God in all ways, emptied himself, became flesh among us and he did that in order to be able to go to the cross and to nail our sins to the cross on our behalf so that there would be no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus he did it in the flesh let us share the bread together Hebrews tells us very clearly there's no forgiveness without, of sin without the shedding of blood. A quote from the Old Testament in the, in the picture for all of the, the, the blood that was shed up to the point of Christ. All the lambs year after year after year. But when it came to Jesus Christ, it says in Hebrews, he did it once and for all. There's no sacrifice left that needs to be made. We, we don't have anything that we can bring to the altar. The sacrifice we make is of ourselves. He says... Bring, bring ourselves to the altar. Okay. And, and allow God to have us. And so when we, we share in the cup, we're remembering that Christ poured out his blood to, to give us the grace and eternal life. Let us share. Father, again, we come saying thank you. We worship you. We praise you. We ask, Lord, that you would be with us as we go, that we might be a testimony to your kingdom's work. Lord, give us the heart to, and, 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 and then the eyes to see around us, the ears to listen, and then the right words to say that might bring encouragement, help, and hope to those around us. We thank you for your love, your mercy, and grace. We thank you that we can claim with absolute assurance, joint heirs with Jesus. We are children of God. We are part of the kingdom of God the eternal kingdom of God. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. You stand as we close, please.
splendor of the King, clothed in majesty, let all the earth rejoice, all the earth rejoice. He wraps himself in light, and darkness tries to hide, and trembles at his voice. And trembles at his voice. How great is our God. Sing with me. How great is our God. And all will see how great. How great is our God. Age to age he stands. And time is in his hands, beginning and the end, beginning and the end. The Godhead three in one, Father, Spirit, Son, the Lion and the Lamb, the Lion and the Lamb. How great! Is our God sing with me? How great is our God, and all will see how great, how great is our God. Name above all names, you are worthy of all praise. And my heart will sing, how great is our God. Name above all names, you are worthy of all praise. And my heart will sing, how great is our God. How great is our God. Sing with me. How great is our God. And all will see how great, how great is our God. How great is our God. Sing with me, how great is our God, and all will see how great, how great is our God. Yeah, I think that's...